verify each one of these statements and understand just how powerful a statement each of these actually are. And understanding that the Beatitudes were literally stated as more of a backbone of everything else that Christ was going to teach, everything that Christ was going to bring, into, or bring to pass throughout all of His teachings going from here on forward and even what the disciples were going to teach as well. And we've gone through this series and now we've gotten to the point where we're at the section talking about peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. And this statement, this topic is so misconstrued so mistaught and so misunderstood that I figured we needed a two-parter for it. So this morning we're going to be dealing with this topic of peacemaking and talking about how we can be peacemakers, but first of all we're going to have to notice what peacemaking is not. What peacemaking is not. Oftentimes in our world we have a lot of people talking about peace, we want peace, we want to see peace, but there's a misunderstanding of what that actually means. And the reality is, a lot of people like to discuss this idea of peace, and we like to throw in that, well, it's just acceptance of everything. Or this idea of peace is, well, I make everyone feel good all the time. The reality is, sometimes peace is a very painful process. Sometimes peace makes people unhappy. Sometimes peace is difficult. There's been studies done and discussions throughout history of how people, when they've been in war, they've been in conflict for long periods of time, the last thing that anyone wants is peace. I'm reminded of the period between World War I and World War II where after Germany had been defeated, there was that period of time where the Allied forces finally had a form of peace, but it was a one-sided peace. It was a peace that destroyed the other nation economically. It destroyed the nation militarily. They said, you're not allowed to have... They literally set a cap. You're not allowed to have this many ships. You're not allowed to have this many troops. You're not allowed to have this... And there was a resentment that built in the hearts of the German people. So much so that whenever a certain individual came into power, he received a welcome audience. A group of people that were so ready to get back at everyone who had hurt them. Peacemaking is not just an absence of conflict. It's not just, oh, we sing and we get along and we sing kumbaya and everyone is happy. Because sometimes those happy faces have a miserable heart underneath. Sometimes there's a deep root that's involved in all of this. So understanding what peacemaking is not, the first thing we have to understand is peacemaking is not apathy. Peacemaking is not apathy. What do I mean by the word apathy? That's probably not a word we use a lot. Really, the idea behind it is not caring. The best phrase I can think of is, I don't know and I don't care. That's apathy in a nutshell. I don't care. You can bring up any topic you want to to me. You can say anything you want to. It's not going to change my mind. That's apathy. So what do I mean in reference to peacemaking? How can we talk about peacemaking in reference to apathy? Seeking peace is not the same as being apathetic. It's not saying, well, okay, we're just not going to fight because I don't care enough to fight. I don't care enough to say this. If we are using this phrase in reference to the Word of God, friends, we are in danger. We are in trouble if there is a serious problem that has reference to the Word of God and we don't care enough to stand on it. That's a problem. That's a serious problem. But it's one that has been so ingrained in our society that we're just all going to get along and we don't stand on anything so much so we fall for everything. 
Apathy has no place in the Lord's church. I don't care should never be a phrase that comes out of a Christian's mouth. Because we should care. We should care enough that when we see the lost, we're willing to reach out to them. We should care enough that when there's a problem with our brother in Christ, we try to help to make that right. We should care enough that when there's disagreements in the Lord's church, we try to rectify those, try to make them better in the compliance with the Word of God. We should care. Apathy has no place in the Word of God. Let's look in Revelation chapter 3. That's Revelation chapter 3. Specifically in verse, verse, starting verse 15, he says, I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Here, the Lord through the pen of John is writing to the church at Laodicea and he says, you're not standing on anything. You're not cold or hot. You're not against me and you're not for me. He said, I would rather you pick a side. Many of you probably have either heard this statement or made this statement. I would rather have someone yell in my face than talk behind my back. I would rather have someone scream in my face than talk behind my back. Why? Because at least I know where they stand. At least I know where they stand. At least I know you don't like me. But so many Christians, so many churches across this nation, across this world, have bought into this idea that if I disconnect myself enough, we're never going to fight, and that's a good thing. Friends, that has never been a good thing. Try that at home. Try that at home. I don't care what you think. Well, I don't care what you think. See how long that lasts. (laughs) Friends, relationships aren't built on a lack of care. Relationships are built on the utmost level of care. The level of care that says, I'm not going to stand by and let you hurt yourself. I'm going to reach out and I'm going to try to fix this. If you don't listen to me, well, that was on you. But I did my part. I tried to help. See, we don't be apathy. We are not allowing apathy to begin to live in our congregations or in our hearts just so we can have a peaceful coexistence. Christianity isn't about coexistence. It's about co-working. We're co-workers. We're family. We're trying to further the Word of God. We're not just coexisting together in a room on Sunday morning, and if I can get along with them for an hour, maybe two hours, then we're great. No. We work together. We form that bond together because we have a common goal. Apathy has no place. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the church in Corinth was allowing immorality to stand in their congregations and to really get into the roots of it. And Paul said, you're over here acting like you're such a loving and friendly congregation because you're allowing immorality to run rampant. You're allowing this to happen? You're allowing this man to live and marry his father's wife? What is wrong with you? He says, that's not loving. I love reading about the church in Corinth, though, because we read in 1 Corinthians chapter, or chapter, or 1 Corinthians chapter 5, excuse me, that this was the situation that was at hand, and Paul's telling them, you're such, you plan to be such a loving people, but you're allowing this. And then in 2 Corinthians, he has to come back and say, hey, it's okay to let him back. 
You took what I said and you went to the other extreme, but it's okay to let him back. But Paul was saying apathy has no place. It's not okay just to say, oh, look at how loving we are because we have so many sinful people here. Friends, we should talk about how many saints we have here. How many Christians there are. How many people who were once in the bond of sin, they were once allowing the world to rule their lives, but now they are one of Christ's. That's something to brag about. That's something to be excited about. Because if I make someone feel good in their sin, friends, I am not on the Lord's side. I'm not on the Lord's side if I make someone feel good in their sin. Apathy. See, God hates the sowing of discord. He hates this to the utmost level. We see that in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. We read of the seven things that the Lord hates, but one of them in particular was those that sow discord among the brethren. Those that try to stir stuff up. Those who don't care enough about their fellow Christians that they are going to actually try to put themselves down so that they can elevate others. No, this is all about me. This is my show. And if I didn't like how something was done, if I don't like the carpet color, if I don't like how the PowerPoint was done, if I don't like the service times, if I don't like the way... I'm going to make sure that I build a coalition and we're going to have United States Congress-style discussions where we bring everything to its knees. Friends, that's a lack of care. That's apathy. You say, well, how can that be apathy? They're really motivated. It's a lack of care for others. It's a lack of care for the state of the church. You see, when we have something to stand on, we better be standing on the Lord's Word. If we have a serious fight, discussion, anything like that, it better be a fight for the Lord. If it's anything else, then I'm not following what Proverbs 26 was talking about. I'm not following what the Lord told me, and I'm most certainly not following what God said in Matthew chapter 5 when He said, Blessed are the peacemakers. We care because of the seriousness of the problem of the world. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the seriousness of the problem. We're not here just to be a social club. We're not here just so we can all get together on a Sunday and have fun and maybe we'll go out to eat at the Cracker Barrel later. Friends, we're here because we're trying to strengthen one another, worship our God, and go back out into the world that wants to stop us. It wants to bring us to our knees. The ironic thing is that so many churches have changed what they teach, they've changed how they live, they've changed the doctrine, they've changed even the Word of God itself so that they have tried to be more friendly to the world. Friends, if the world is praising a church, that's a church that needs to look at itself. Maybe they're just praising the good works they're doing. That's a good thing. If they're praising you for the things you're doing to glorify God, that's wonderful. But more often than not, that's not the reason they're praising a church. We're not to be apathetic people. We're not to have a lack of care towards the state of the world 
or towards our fellow brothers and sisters. But it's more than just not being apathetic. Peacemaking is also not people-pleasing. This one's difficult. A lot of people struggle with this one because we just want to be liked. We just want to get along with everybody. But friends, if we start trying to people-please, we're not pleasing the Lord. I love every soul that I've been able to talk to in this room. Every soul I've gotten to know, it's been a wonderful group of people. But if I ever start changing my message just to make anyone in this room like it, changing what the Lord wants just to make people like it, then I'm in trouble. Then I'm in trouble. Because according to James chapter 3, verse 1, Brethren, be not many masters, knowing you shall receive the greater condemnation. There is a risk that comes with standing in a pulpit. There's a risk that comes with teaching the Word of God. But friends, the same is true for the people in the pews. How we live our lives does teach a lesson. How we live our lives can show someone who we stand with or who we stand against. And let it never be said that someone did not become a Christian because of how I lived. Is that right? Is that fair? Should someone judge God based on how one of his followers lives? Not necessarily, but it has an effect. How many of you have probably have heard the statement or maybe seen it before that I don't want to go to church because it's just full of hypocrites? I don't want to be a member of a church because they try to, they try to control too much. God is not defined by His followers, but His followers can define someone's definition of God. God is powerful enough that His followers are not going to change who He is. They're not going to change what He says. But they can definitely change someone's perception. They can definitely change how someone views God. It's said that a child, their first understanding of God is their father. How he lives, how he acts, how he treats them. Their second perception is the others they spend time around. The congregations that they visit. And friends, if we look at the religious world as a whole in 2023, if we look at the Church of Christ as a whole in 2023, it makes sense why people have a problem with God. It makes sense why people hate God. Because there's a lot of people not acting like Him. There's a lot of people who would prefer to have this people-pleasing mindset where we're just going to do everything that we think people will like. We'll go out and we'll have a poll to understand exactly what the community wants, and then we'll do that. Or, you know what, we're not, we're not quite as as PC enough. We need to make sure that we look exactly like the world wants us to look. We need to make sure that if there was ever a situation, the government's not going to come through our doors. People-pleasing. The problem with people-pleasing is that if I'm living my life saying, I want to please God and I don't care what anybody else thinks, then I'm going to follow after Him alone. But if I make my decisions based on what does that person think? Or how does that person feel? Or am I going to offend this person? Or am I going to make that person unhappy? Friends, now you have a host of gods that you're dealing with. 
You're dealing with a host of people who are dictating your actions. And, I, and nine times out of ten, it's not going to be towards God. It's not going to be making God happy. You see the picture behind me, and I was trying to think of what's a good illustration for the idea of people-pleasing. What really sells it? And I'm pretty sure that's it. That's what people-pleasing ends up looking like. We think it'll make everybody happy, but the reality is if we make one person happy, we're probably making someone else unhappy. If we make this person happy and we make this person feel good about themselves, maybe we're hurting this other person. Friends, that's why it's important we only focus on God. Because if we're making God happy, His followers are also going to be happy with us. We have a level of peace. We don't make peace by people-pleasing. People-pleasing is a very common problem in our world. Let's look at Galatians chapter 1. This Galatians chapter 1. Here, Paul talking to the church in Galatia and really helping to illustrate this point. Galatians chapter 1, specifically in verse 10, he says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Friends, if we're seeking to make everybody in the world happy, then we're leaving one out, and that's God. Happiness is not defined by people being allowed to live however they want. Letting them treat you however they want, letting them treat others however they want. Friends, that's not peacemaking. That's becoming a servant of someone else. That's following someone else's drone. It's a common problem. We seek to please God more than men. Acts chapter 5, verse 29. They said this very thing to the religious leaders. We ought to obey God rather than men. Now some might say, well, okay, obviously that's true. Like if it comes down to a biblical thing, I'm going to follow after God, but... You know, other situations, it's okay. Obviously, we don't want to cause problems. We don't want to fight. But we make that excuse too often with bad behavior. We make that excuse too often. We say, well, they're not, they're not attacking the Word of God. They're not attacking the church. They're not attacking... But are they acting like Christ? If they're a member of the Lord's church, are they exhibiting Christ? Are they showing how God would want them to act? If not, stop making excuses for it. If they are, by all means. Peace is based on following after God. If we're not following after God, if we're not following after His Word, there's not going to be peace. It's not going to happen. We read in Jeremiah this morning for our scripture reading that there were those who were going into the land of Israel and they were telling them, well, we're going to fix everything. Everything's going to be okay. And they say, peace, peace. But what did Jeremiah say? When there is no peace. If you go read the book of Jeremiah and then the book of Lamentations as well, that's not a happy book. Neither of them are. Jeremiah was going to a group of people and he was telling them nothing but bad news. But they were eating up this idea that everything was fine, everything was good. Peacemaking is not just making people happy. The message of God oftentimes makes people very angry. Very angry. 
We do not change the world to match the comfort of men. Let's look at Revelation chapter 22. This Revelation chapter 22, the very end of the Bible. Let's look at verses 18 and 19. The last warning that is given in the Bible is this one phrase. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. The last warning that God gives in his book is don't touch it. Don't adjust it. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Why would he say that? Because, friends, if we leave something out, if we choose not to teach something just to make people happy, we're not teaching the Word of God. If I add to something in the Word of God, if I try to add something to make people feel better, to say, hey, this is going to be great, then I'm teaching the doctrines of men and not the doctrines of God. It's serious. It's a very serious thing. Peacemaking is a, is a wonderful mindset, and we should always be people who seek peace. I'm reminded of Barnabas and the attitude that he had. Someone who wanted to bring people together. But sometimes peacemaking has conflicts. Sometimes in order to have true, lasting peace, sacrifices have to be made. It's not fun, it's not easy, and it's not comfortable. But it's important that when we talk about this topic, when we see the idea of peacemaking, we first of all understand what it does not look like. And friends, this is exactly what the world will tell you peacemaking is. You just don't stand on something hard enough to cause a conflict. You try to make everybody happy and you change it just a little bit so it sounds more palpable. But that's not godly peacemaking. This morning, maybe you struggled with this. Maybe you struggled with this idea of peacemaking and how I can actually be a peaceful person. Maybe you struggled with this idea of I'm just not caring enough. They'll do what they're going to do and I'll just let it be. Or maybe you've fallen into this idea of people pleasing and you've allowed everyone else to dictate how you live. Everyone else to guide you on the path of, I'm just going to do what everyone else will be comfortable with. Maybe this morning you've misunderstood this topic. Maybe you've had other things in your lives that you've struggled with. Maybe you've never become a member of the Lord's church. Maybe you've, this is the first you've heard of it. He made the plan available for you and for me, and super easy. Hearing the word, we believe it to be true. Believing this... To be true, understanding exactly what God wants us to know, we're willing to repent of all of our past sins, Acts 17.30. And based upon that changed mind, which brings a changed life, we're willing to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is the Lord. He is exactly who He said He was. And based upon that confession, we would be more than happy. We would be ecstatic to baptize you into Christ this morning. Bearing that old man of sin, raised to walk in newness of life, according to Romans chapter 8. 
But maybe this morning, you are a member of the Lord's church and you allowed all these things to change you. You allowed a lack of care or a lack of compassion or maybe just this need to please to turn you away from God and to go into things you should not. He wants you back. He wants you to come home. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Under what condition? If we confess. If we make it right with Him. If you have any need, don't leave here unsure. Come now as together we stand as we sing.